you turn to page 1129, we'll read Romans 15, 13 through 33, looking especially at the last section, 22 to 33, where Paul announces his future plans for mission and encourages the church to participate with him, to strive together with him in the Great Commission. Romans 15, and let's start reading at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders. By the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And our text begins here at 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions... And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is God's blessed and holy word. May he strengthen 
our faith and our love for the gospel, for Christ, through it. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, it seems that we've moved from the gospel in Romans to the closing remarks, to the small talk that comes at the end of the letter. You know, as you're signing off, he's finished sharing the gospel, and now he says what his plans are. I plan to go to Rome, and then I plan to go to Spain, but first I plan to go to Jerusalem. See you later. But actually, brothers and sisters, the whole point of the gospel in the book of Romans is found right here. And if we don't see that, we haven't gotten the message of the book. He has given to them my gospel, the gospel Christ gave to him. So that they would see that he really is a faithful apostle, bringing the message of Christ, so that they'll support him and help him spread the word. They'll become partners in the Great Commission. It's really the whole point. If we don't strive together in the mission of Christ for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth, we don't get the point of the gospel at all. And that's what Paul is saying here. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, verse 30, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So really, it is the point of the book of Romans right here that we find Paul is calling on the whole church to join him and support him in his missionary labors. The work of the gospel ministry from here to the ends of the earth is not the labor of missionaries alone. It's the labor of all God's people that we strive together with Paul, with preachers, with missionaries for the gospel to be spread near and far. We must strive together with those whose task is to bring the gospel. We are together in the Great Commission. So Paul is pleading here for a mission-minded church at Rome and at Providence in Strathroy. Christ is pleading for a mission-minded church at Strathroy. That whether you go or stay home, we strive together. We strive together for the spread of the gospel. If we don't, we really don't understand what the gospel is even about. So, strive together with me, he pleads. Share the task with me. Share the blessings of the gospel. Share through prayer. Share in my ministry through prayer. So first we share the task together. He says in verse 22, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. He's been wanting to go to Rome for a long time. But he's been hindered. Why? We well, go got to go back to verses 19, 20, and 21. Paul's special mission as an apostle to the Gentiles is to bring the gospel where it's never been heard. 
from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is just south of Bulgaria and Hungary, remember, stretching up into mainland Europe. And when a church has been planted in one region, he leaves that church to multiply itself by planting other churches in that region. He leaves that church and he goes to a new region and then another new region and on and on. And so he's been hindered from going to Rome because he's been hindered by the spirit and by the call of the gospel to bring the gospel to the east. But now he says, verse 23, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, there are church plants in every main center now, which by those who are there will continue to spread. And since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing. But I'm not retiring. Remember that? I've gone through so many shipwrecks. I've been beaten with whips and rods so many times. I've been clobbered with stones. I've gone through sickness, cold, hunger, sleepless nights. But I want to go west to Spain. Look at verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Why? And to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now that I've completed spreading the gospel, the commission given to me to go from Jerusalem to Illyricum, it's time to go west to Spain. I'm going to stop in Rome because I want you to give me your support. Because missionaries are not solo operations. It's the task of the whole church. There are those who go and there are those who stay. News who stay here in Rome, I need you to strive together with me. I want to be helped on my journey there by you. So now that he's completed that pioneer work in the east, he is free. That hindrance put on him by the Spirit is gone. And he's free to go to Spain to preach the gospel among the Hispanic people. Sorry, Reverend Pennings, Paul got there first to the Hispanic people. Isn't that amazing? Reach the Spaniards. The Spaniards, of course, have gone west. Brother Pennings and others labor among them in the West. But I want to go to the Hispanic peoples. And I need your help. Now Paul opened his letter this way. And if you go back to chapter 1, verse 13, he's already told them, I'm going to write my gospel to you because I'm looking for a harvest from you. 1, verse 13. 1, verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I want to harvest your support. I want your prayer support. I want your encouragement support. I want your personnel. He always went with a team. 
I need people and I need financial support. I want to be helped on my journey there by you. And the reason he wrote this gospel was exactly, exactly for this reason that they could see, ah, yes, he is a true preacher of the gospel. And so we can confidently support him and send him to Spain and pray for him and write him emails or letters and send him gifts and sometimes travel to the field to be there with him and offer him encouragement for a short season, send a short-term mission there to help him build a little church structure, etc. He wrote this gospel not just for information, but for dissemination. Not just for instruction, but for reproduction. Paul is a mission-minded man who wants Rome to be a mission-minded church. A church that not only believes and treasures the gospel, but also shares in the spread of the gospel. A church that is a missionary party partner and brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is clearly the call to God's people today. He wants us to be partners in global mission. To Spain, we don't support Spaniards. No, but you support the salvation of Spaniards, don't you? Through the preaching of the gospel. To Muslims, we don't support. Yes, we support the preaching of the gospel to Muslims who need salvation as badly as anyone else in the world, including ourselves. So we're being called here to share in the task, the unfinished task of world missions, which starts in Jerusalem and goes to the ends of the earth, starts in our neighborhood, but goes to the edge of the globe. The great commission belongs to the whole church. That's not only Paul's desire for Rome, that's Christ's desire for all congregations. Strive together with me in this work, brothers. Help me there on my journey. Sharing the task. You know, it might seem strange to us, but there was a time in the 1700s and 1800s when Protestant churches of really all denominations believed that the Great Commission, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the close of the age. There was a time when churches believed that was just for the apostles. Now that's done and over with, and that's not our business anymore. And so churches became small-minded, locally-minded only. And this is a rebuke to churches when we think that way, when we don't have a world mission mindset. That whether we go or stay at home, the nations belong to Christ. And our deep desire and our constant prayer is that all would bow the knee to Jesus. And I will participate in that in any way I can. Sharing the gospel with my co-workers, 
supporting missionaries in whatever way I can. And secondly, Paul says we're also called to share in the blessings of the gospel with one another. Paul says in verse 25, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. Now, this is crazy. He's in Corinth. Remember this? He wants to go to Rome, to Spain. Oh, but first I have a little detour, a 2,000-mile detour on foot by ship to Jerusalem and then to Rome and then to Spain. Uh, By the way, I have a little detour I want to make. I want to go to Jerusalem first with the collection for the saints. Now, Paul, if you have such a zeal in the Spirit's guidance to go to Spain... And you're not a young man anymore. Why, pray tell, are you going to Jerusalem? Verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. About 10 years before Paul wrote Romans, he wrote it in about 57 AD. He wrote it from Corinth, we think. Ten years before, 46 to 48 A.D., A.D. 46 to 48, there was a severe famine in Judea. And ten years later, many households, many congregations in Jerusalem area are still crippled financially by that famine. And churches had been taking collections for them. And when you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, you see that Paul is urging the churches in Achaia and Macedonia, that includes Thessalonica and Philippi and Berea and Corinth, to take up offerings for the churches in Jerusalem. They're they're starving, they're needy, they, they have nothing. Please help them. For example, listen to this from 2 Corinthians 8. He says that the churches of Macedonia overflowed in a wealth of generosity and their abundance of joy and even in their extreme poverty. Then he says, God loves a cheerful giver. And again, Paul says their generous giving was motivated by Christ himself, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. So Paul's been encouraging these churches all along to give disaster relief to the church in Jerusalem. Here's another example, 1 Corinthians 16. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, on the first day of the week, each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there'll be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also... They will accompany me. And apparently it seemed advisable that Paul should go with the team carrying the collection to Jerusalem. Why is the collection so important? Why does Paul make such a huge deal of the disaster relief of the churches in Achaia and Macedonia? collection from them to go to give relief to the saints in Jerusalem? 
I mean, he faces a lot of persecution if he goes to Jerusalem. The prophet Agabus has already told him, this is what's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. Took his belt off and tied his arms together. That's what's going to happen to you. The elders of Ephesus said, don't don't go. They're going to arrest you. But he's going. Paul, it's 2,000 miles out of the way. But he's going. Paul, the deacons can do that. That's their calling. You really have to micromanage and go along with them? It's not micromanaging. I was designated. I was appointed by the church to go. Why is this such a big deal? Look at verse 27. For they were pleased to do it. The churches in Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to collect this money for the church in Jerusalem. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. And it all goes back to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings Jews and Gentiles together into one family. And when we're one family, we share in one another's joys and sorrows. And so if the Jewish church in Jerusalem is suffering from sorrow, from the devastation of famine, and the Gentile churches have extra to give, then why not share together in gospel blessings? The Jews brought you the gospel. Jesus came from Abraham's line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Through your seed, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the Jews brought you spiritual blessings, O Gentiles. So you owe it to them to give them material blessings. That's his argument. So he urges the Gentile churches of Macedonia and Achaia to share with the Jewish churches in Jerusalem. And he's so excited about celebrating this sharing together in the gospel as the one body of Christ that he can't not go along with the team to bring the collection to Jerusalem even though it's fraught with danger, fraught with trouble. He's so excited about this collection because it's a celebration of the gospel. And I'm reminded of that again we give to the brothers and sisters in Ukraine. It's not about money. They keep saying, oh, we're so encouraged by our unity in the faith when we receive your gifts. We see we're one family of God. We are reminded and encouraged that we're tied to one another through Jesus Christ. What a celebration of the gospel. It's part of sharing together in the Great Commission as the family of God. That true congregations of Christ around the world are partakers with us in the gospel. And we support one another in our needs in whatever way we can. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's why it's a joy 
when we can take offerings, right? Experience the joy of the congregation to be able to celebrate our faith and unity in the gospel by giving. And for them to celebrate by receiving. And if the tides ever turn the other way around, we celebrate by receiving while others celebrate the gospel by giving. Do we see giving in that light? If you look at verses 26 and 27, the word sharing is used twice. 26 and 27. Notice what he says there. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution. That word is koinonia. Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some koinonia for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Have been pleased to fellowship Give a fellowship gift for the poor in Jerusalem. And then it goes on to say, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to have koinonia in their spiritual blessings, they might also then be of service to them in material blessings. It's so much a part of the fellowship that we have in Christ. And so in this way too, believers in churches are called to strive together with fellow true churches around the world, world and fellow true believers around the world. And thirdly, we're called to share through prayer. Paul then goes back to his end game in verse 28. When therefore I have completed this and have followed or have delivered to them what has been collected. I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I want to go to Spain by way of you. I want to stop along the way and spend time with you in the church of Rome. And I want to come in the fullness and the blessing of Christ. In fact, I will. It reminds us of 1 verse 11. I long to see you, he says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He wants to share the gospel with them, Christ with them, and he wants them to support him in his mission to Spain and share Christ with him for a partnership in the gospel. Brothers and sisters, Paul desires the Roman church to be, a, to be a people whose first ambition in life is the gospel and to have a passion for world mission. No matter what their vocation is, some remember work in Caesar's household. We'll see that in chapter 16. Some are tent makers. We'll also see that in chapter 16. Some are farm laborers. Some are carpenters. There are all kinds of trades represented in that congregation. But all of them together are a kingdom people every day in everything they do and say. And they should think of themselves as God's missionary people. So he says in verse 30, I covet your prayers for me. 
I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. I need your prayers to accomplish this work of God. God will accomplish his mission through the prayers of the people. It's amazing how this story unfolds, not in any way as Paul expected. Did he make it to Jerusalem? Yes. And he was arrested. And he spent two years in prison in Caesarea. And there he appeared before governors Felix and Festus. And then he appealed to Caesar. And so he does go to Rome after that, but as a prisoner on a ship. And he gets shipwrecked along the way. And he gets rescued from the shipwreck. He gets on the island of Malta and a poisonous snake bites him. He survives. And he finally ends up in the prison at Rome. And he spends two years there preaching the gospel unhindered. Did he meet the church at Rome? Yes. Did the church at Rome meet him? Yes. How? They went to visit him in prison. Did he get to Spain? Yes. For all accounts that we have from the early church fathers, beginning with Clement of Rome, who pastored with Paul and Peter in Rome, he says, Clement of Rome, that Paul went all the way to the extreme west. So whether during those two years or afterward, he had leave to go to Spain as a prisoner and eventually died for Christ. But I need your prayer. It's not as a lone ranger that I do this work of world mission. Strive together with me through your prayers. Private prayers, but strive together. Prayer meetings. Strive together with preachers and missionaries. How faithfully do we strive together with them in our prayers? Think of it this way, brothers and sisters. Prayer is a vitally important way of striving, fighting for the gospel, and participating in the extension of the kingdom of God. Perhaps the most underestimated and underused weapon given to God's people for the advance of the kingdom and for the salvation of the lost is prayer. Perhaps the most underestimated and underused weapon. I close with a short story that I mentioned yesterday in the little audio clip, and that is William Carey, driven by the Great Commission, driven by the call of world mission to go to India, which was almost a certain death. And in Great Britain, nobody was interested in India. Leave them to themselves. God has called you to stay right here. And he wouldn't receive any support. Finally, he reached out to his friend, Andrew Fuller. Will you support me in my mission? And just about as he was ready to leave, he said to Fuller, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. And Andrew Fuller said, 
You go down into the pit and I will hold the ropes. So Kerry went to India and he preached the gospel faithfully. But back at home, Andrew Fuller held the ropes. He strove together with Kerry in the progress of the gospel. He went and spread the importance of world mission everywhere across Great Britain and gathered financial support and prayer support and built up mission-minded congregations all across Great Britain. What a great story. I will go down to the pit if you will hold the ropes. Will we share in the unfinished task of world missions by going, going down into the pit? There's huge risk. Are you ready? You ready to go? But will you also share in the task of world missions by holding the ropes for those who go out, supporting them, staying and praying and helping and encouraging in any and every way. Christ is worth it. The gospel is worth it. It's through him the lost are saved. And that's the only way or else they will perish. Amen. Our Father and our God, help us to hear your call in this passage. The gospel is so beautiful, powerful. It is the solution the world needs. And we pray that you will send people out to preach and to join those who preach and support. But also build up mission-minded congregations all over the world to strive together with them. Make us those who strive together with our missionaries in prayer. And so, Lord, may the gospel continue to go out to the ends of the earth and the lost saved by the gospel of Christ. Amen.